Hi, I'm Ivalice Page, and thanks for listening to the Believe Big Podcast, the show where we take a deep dive into your healing with health experts, integrative practitioners, biblical faith leaders, and cancer thrivers from around the globe. Welcome to today's episode on the Believe Big Podcast. My name is Ivalice Page, and it's an honor to spend this time with you. Unexpected health events in life, like cancer, can leave us feeling overwhelmed and with a sense of feeling out of control. Today, our guest, Tanya Atkin, will be sharing with us tools to help us navigate change and help live a more resilient life. Tanya is a cancer thriver who was diagnosed with multiple myeloma last February and is NED, no evidence of disease. She holds two master's degrees, one in counseling psychology and the second in holistic nutrition. She has been an integrative health life coach for 34 years, spent 16 years practicing as a clinical therapist specializing in psychology, and is also a professional fitness athlete, winning several (laughs) titles, including Miss Fitness Canada. She is married to the love of her life, Nathan, and is a loving mom of two sons. Welcome, Tanya, to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really am so grateful for being here. Well, you have such a wide range of expertise dealing with physical, emotional, and mental health. So I'm curious to find out from you what your absolute favorite health tip is. Okay. So I could not round it off to one. I have five. First of all, truly being integrative from the time I can remember. I've brought it in my life with my children, with my fitness and whatnot. But your intuition is truly your best physician, no matter what. Secondly, food is the most abused drug. We've all heard that. Exercise is the most underutilized mental health strategy. Your body has an innate ability to heal. In nature, there is no cancer. We have the ability to heal our body, and it's just about getting our thoughts, perceptions, and beliefs in check in order to do that. So those are my five. (laughs) I love those. I know. I thought it would be really tough for you to be able to narrow it down to one, but you know what? We could use those extra tips today, so thank you for sharing. (laughs) So before we go into your tools to build resiliency in one's life, you have not only coached about it, but have experienced the power of it personally. Can you share with our audience a little bit about how you found out you had multiple myeloma? Luckily, I had built an integrative team being a professional athlete from a very young age. So I've always had endocrinologists on staff, doctors, physicians, therapists, And I always routinely got my blood checked every three months for my hormones so that when I was competing, because fitness is healthy, but not competitively can become very unhealthy. We're very restrictive. We over-exercise. We take fat-burning supplements. So it's really important to monitor our bodies. So luckily, I've always had a team with me. And I had was competing at a pro show in Las Vegas last August, brought my family along, And the prep was going well. However, I lost a lot more weight than I normally would. I was going through a little bit of metabolic syndrome. I was struggling with that. 
So after my show, I go get my normal blood runs done. And generally speaking, they laugh. They're like, Tanya, you've got blood of a 21 health year old. Like I'm 51 now, but my blood's always been great. I've always been super healthy, super healthy, technically, and eating the right things, organic, integrative, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they saw a marker for anemia. I'm thinking, okay, I'm anemic. So we tried to resolve it with some iron supplementation, different strategies. And then my endocrinologist who's in charge of the hormones, she's like, I don't like what this looks like. And I'm like, okay. So she tested me. I said, let's do this again in four weeks. So I tested again in four weeks. Again, there was that a marker for anemia. So they're like, no, don't like this. So sent it to my family doctor who did a little bit more investigation and found the protein. So the M spikes. And then basically they didn't waste any time, like four weeks later, whatever it was, Valentine's Day, my husband and I had just come back from our date at a spa. Not, they called me up and said, you have multiple myeloma. But back up, when I came back from my competition in August, I noticed that I was feeling quite lethargic. But being in prep, like so many times in my life, you just feel like that is, as an athlete, we endure a lot of pain. <laughs> we endured a lot of hardships body-wise. So it wasn't abnormal, except for the one symptom that I had was chronic nosebleeds. And I don't get I don't get sick. I never had a sinus infection or anything like that. And like literally chunks of my body were falling out of my nose. And I remember we were looking for real estate in Florida and my husband and I went away before I got diagnosed and I was bleeding and intuitively I was like, there is something seriously wrong. And then I had, um, I was training and I had done like a push press overhead push press and I was extending my back and I hurt my back and I had a compression fracture. So not only did I get diagnosed with multiple myeloma, but I fractured or compressed my T9 spine. To be honest, the worst part of this whole thing has been the fracture in my spine because it's really painful. So I've had to work really hard at rehabbing that. But so my two symptoms were massive nosebleeds, which I didn't even dawn on me. I was treating it as a sinus infection and I was doing all my immune protocols and I was going over and above with that and homeopathy, nothing was resolving it. And then they called me on Valentine's day and told me that I had multiple myeloma. Luckily with my family doctor who is very close to my family and I, and I just, I had a day or so where I collapsed, moved on from there and then went right away into, I actually met with the hematologist and I actually, I decided to do conventional 26 weeks, low, low level chemotherapy. Like I get the cyborg in my stomach with the dexamethasone. That was all, all I was willing to do because to be honest, I was selfish. I wanted to resolve the issues. I didn't want to die right away. Even though they caught it at the very preliminary stages, I needed to put the fire out, but I was doing the integrative stuff on the side. So I went right away to my integrative hormone doctor who had an integrative oncologist on staff. So my integrative oncologist who honestly saved my life with mistletoe. He was a oncologist in Europe and he came to Canada to practice naturopathic medicine here at the Canadian college. He teaches for them, but also practices and he does cancer care. And he got me like that week I was on mistletoe and Amazing. I, I did that in support of the short conventional. I did the 26 weeks of chemo. Then I did an, an auto stem cell transplant and basically got through all of that with all of my supplementation and mistletoe pretty scot-free. Like the only side effects I had was the decks. I couldn't sleep the steroids. And I didn't have any fatigue because I was on a ginseng compilation tinnature, just a little bit of gut issues, but 
nothing else. That's incredible. I think that's one of the best aspects of integrating our care is you, it really helps to improve a quality of life going through something, you know, very difficult. And I'm sure that people ask you this all the time and we're curious as to how you could have been diagnosed with cancer as such a, in quotes, healthy person. What do you believe was the cause? two things I truly believe. Okay. First of all, fitness comes across as healthy and it's not always healthy. It is a mind game. We have a lot of body image issues, a lot of restrictive eating, which is not that healthy. The some of the supplements we take are not healthy, but I think for me, one thing is I had breast implant illness. So I had my breast plants um, removed. So I believe that was a cause, physical cause of it. And I wrote about that in articles and whatnot. The second thing is for me personally, it was my mindset. I was very stuck, even though on the outside, it looks like physically, family-wise, I have a perfect life. I do. I really do. I have great children. I have a husband that I adore. We have a good life. I had a good career, but I was never enough. The seek of to be perfect and to feel never enough. And I've had some trauma. I have had some serious trauma in my life come from a 19 on and processing that I was really stuck in a huge cycle of resentment, anger, and guilt. And if you know anything about Louise Hayes, she states that bone and blood cancer is a lack of joy and a perception of self. And myself, I was never good enough. No matter how many degrees I had, tens I have four, I never, I felt like I was always an imposter. Like I was, nobody would listen to me or believe me. That's something that we're trying to share out there is so many times everyone is so focused on the physical aspect of it and the uh -huh. physical roots where so much of our healing is emotional. I know for me, that was a large part of my story as well. And we had Susie Larson on the show at the start of the new year, and she did a two-part series on I saw, yeah. what happens in our souls is reflected in our cells. And so that trauma, she spoke about her life and your life and all of our lives. There's some aspect of trauma that should and needs to be resolved. And so many times it's stuffed so down in there that we don't realize that our body is in a fight flight state and Con can like cause, mm -hmm. yeah, can cause all those issues. So how did your career as a health coach and psychologist help you through your cancer journey once you discovered it? Let me just back up quickly. I always say that trauma sits in your cells and it sits in your tissues and your cells are always listening. I tell my clients this all the time. Your cells are listening. So when you're getting out of bed saying, oh my God, I hate my day today, which was, I was doing, and I had nothing to hate. I just was that I was in that perpetual cycle of negative thinking and I could get my clients out of it, but I could get myself out of it. I know what to do to help other people, but it's when it comes to yourself, it's hard. So I think that being a fitness professional along with the psychology and all of the naturopathy and integrative stuff that I know just prepared me for the journey in cancer. Nothing can prepare you for that, but I'm very resourceful. And I was like, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to allow myself to be a victim for X amount of time, but what do I have to live for? I've got this. Do I want to make an impact? I'm not going down. So as an athlete, we can handle a lot of stress, like during physical stress during workouts. So when I was sitting in the chemo chair, I literally would be like, A, I wish I was at the gym. Two, I actually would work out before I went or I would sit in there and be like, okay, I can take this because what I've experienced in the gym 
was worse than what I'm doing right now. Okay. How am I going to do this? I started to retrain my brain. Like I actually went into deep self-reflection and deep meditation, like deep days where I didn't want to go there. I went there. I understand how the emotions, even talking about it brings you back and you've overcome so much and healing is a journey and you'll continue to go through this For journey sure. of reflection and and it's like a scar. Once that scar, as it's healing, it doesn't get healed overnight. But over the course of time, it becomes something beautiful. And actually, that part of the scar is actually the strongest. Scars are a reminder of what we've been able to overcome. But at the beginning, it's tender. And we need to be gentle with ourselves. I was going to say, though, the things that I did, I remember being in like the chemo ward. And there's so many people there. And I see them and I've done all my protocol in the morning and I've got my earbuds in. I'm meditating during my long stay there. I'm reading, I'm researching it, and I'm just keeping my mind filled with good stuff, right? I'm not allowing myself to go there because I don't believe in the conventional medical model. I'm sickened by what I see. So I was just like, I'm going to keep my bubble. I'm going to stay in my bubble and I'm going to do it. So Let's get into the five ways a person can build resilience. I found it fascinating on your website. You share that DNA studies have found that variations of genes regulate a person's sympathetic nervous system and the production of serotonin, that these symptoms dictate how one perceives happiness and sadness. So share with us your first tip on how we can regulate our stress response. I definitely know that I suffer from low serotonin. It's like a genetic thing in my family. I've seen it. So diet is number one. You want to eat pro-serotonin foods, proteins, nuts, good healthy fats, green vegetables. You want to stay in that realm. But resiliency is definitely not a personality trait. It definitely is a practice. And it's continuously ongoing, right? So self-advocacy. So focusing on self-care, believing that you have the ability to make things happen getting out of your victim mindset, right? Be proactive, be a problem solver, initiate action rather than sitting there thinking, why me? Why me? The other thing would be stop catastrophizing, right? So this is our thinking error that we always default to. And it just puts us in the worst case scenario rather than saying, okay, I'm going to break my problems into like bite-sized pieces and work through them. There were times where it was just like, okay, 10 minutes, Every 10 minutes, I'm going to work every 10 minutes. I'm not going to think about tomorrow. Just living in the present moment. I'm not going to think if I relapse. The advice you'd give your best friend, like what would you say to your best friend is what you need to tell yourself all the time, right? Yes. Yes. Um, so that's a, a trick that we do is that best friend theory, right? So tell yourself what you tell your best friend in that situation and recognize your talents too. Like a lot of us forget how skilled we are in certain things and places and we don't use that. We don't validate the fact that we are skilled in things and we're good at things and the world needs us. The world needs us. Yes. And the other thing that is really important because I'm like, a bulldozer type person I push through a lot is that despite the fear, you have to continue. You have to, you just have to, you can't just be like, I'm done. Yeah. It has to sit with you for a little while. <laughs> so your second tip you share is to let yourself feel and process emotions. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Because then it gets stuck. I think on a cellular level, to be very honest, and it keeps swirling around your brain. So I love doing a brain dump. Like it doesn't have to make sense. I often just program in brain dumps like at night or in the morning when you just feel so overwhelmed, 
that you just need to get it out and moving so that energy can just flow and you can move past it. Yes. I think experiencing those emotions is important too. We're going to be doing a show soon on lament. And what that means is grieving with hope. Many times friends and other people just want us to push through those feelings that we're experiencing. But sometimes we have to sit in that for a moment. And one great example I heard was like picture a wave coming in yeah. and you're feeling all those emotions, everything that's happening, like your brain dump you're talking about. You just breathe and then just let it out and picture it going back into the ocean. And we experience what we're experiencing and it's okay to process through those emotions and not try and shove them back down again. Yeah, that I always say to my kids too, it's actually, it's healthy to be angry. It's okay because that anger, for instance, pushes you to actually, to, it gives you will to do something else. But it does definitely have to be felt because if it is kept in, it's just going to seep out somehow, some way, whether it be illness or behavioral issues or a mood issues, it's going to find its way out somewhere, even in yeah. your skin. My mom was a great example of that. After my father passed away from cancer, I remember walking into the kitchen and we had a cross in the kitchen and I just remember her yelling at God. And I was like, oh my goodness, she is yelling at him. <laughs> and yeah. she was just really upset and getting her feelings out about how she was feeling as now a single mom and dealing with all the losses for our family. And I remember talking to someone about that and they were saying, that's the healthiest thing. And you know what? God can handle it. He already knows what's in our heart. So why do we try and put up this face in front of everyone and in him that he knows our hearts and he can handle it and he can help heal it? I remember from an early age just thinking, okay, that's a healthy thing and it's okay. It, so. it totally is. I had an episode or two where I literally like was just in my car, just like screaming, like, why? Just like, why? But the one thing that I can say is being very spiritual is a, I believe in the process of life. There's just a process. So another good tip is you have to let go of things you can't control because the only two things that I think in my opinion that you can control is your breath and your habits, right? So we can control those two things. Otherwise I give it up to God or universe or whatever it is that you believe. I give it up and say, you deal with it. Show me what I need to do. Because I'm not going to sit there and spend time figuring it out because that's where our brain starts to just go crazy, right? So if I can't, if I can't deal with it, I give it up. I say, God, take it. Universe, take it. Show me. Give me the knowledge. Cue me to the research, whatever it might be, because that's all you can do. Like, honestly, you from a health, fitness, whatever it might be perspective, I could eat. I could supplement. I could take mistletoe. I could do everything that I'm doing. But A, if it's my time, I'm sorry, it's my time. I believe in that process and I'm okay with that because I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid to live and suffer and hurt my family and not do what I could my best while I'm here. The second thing is that even though if my thoughts, emotions, beliefs, and perspectives are not in check, it does not matter what I eat. It doesn't. It's not going to help because what's happening is the food's going in the body and it's not being metabolized properly. So I'm not extracting the nutrients and all of the anti-cancer anti benefits from the food that, and the drinks that I'm eating and drinking. Yes. And one of the quotes you have on your website from Dr. Southwick says that 
We need to reappraise a difficult situation and look for meaningful opportunities within it. And I truly believe, like you, that God doesn't waste our pain. And our case as cancer thrivers, we can step into that dark place with other people and bring his encouragement and hope. And one practical thing that you're sharing as far as letting go and not having to be in control is I'm very type A many times wanting (laughs) to make sure I'm doing this and this today, right? And almost like a tight-fisted person, I just picture myself with tight fists saying, I'm doing this. And so it was a real practice for me in the mornings where I just had to unleash those fists, put my palms faced up on my lap and just say, Lord, take from me what you need to take today and give me what I need. And like you're saying, it releases that healing. It, It releases us from being in fight flight. It brings peace and allows ourselves to heal. So I love that tip about letting go of the need to be in control. I love Mm -hmm. that. Definitely. You you say that your fourth tip is nurturing yourself. I like this. What does that include for you? And self-care. I don't like the whole term self-care, but self-care doesn't mean going out and eating treats and going out for dinner. A self-care actually means, oh, getting intimate with yourself. Like for me was self-care was slowing down, like slowing down is my medicine because it's like, for me, it was like 5am cardio workout work go. So for me, it's sleeping in, it's getting up and meditating for a long time and really being there, eating the things that I want to nurture my soul rather than eating for a fitness competition, finding joy, finding hobbies. I didn't have, didn't have any hobbies. So I love gardening and I love baking because I love eating sweet, but I have to make sure that for me, that it's good sweet. So I, those things for me are very self nurture and nurturing my inner child, like speaking to my young child, my young self saying, it's okay. You didn't know better. You did a good job. You're here now. We're good. We're good. Those are the kinds of nurturing things. I love the massage part. I love going for a facial. I love going to heat pods and that kind of thing. So yeah, there's the physical self-care, but then I do more of the emotional self-care. Maybe yes. not doing anything. Yeah. One of my favorite Walks things to do because laughter is such good medicine is I would also yeah. put on funny movies and shows. Yes. I, my family loves, I love Lucy and we would just laugh. And that was nurturing to my soul as well. Yeah. A lot yeah. of walking, a lot of grounding, a lot of feet on the ground, a lot of walking meditations, that kind of thing. And you know what, for me, I think the best dopamine kind of oxytocin is like just smelling and hugging, uh, smelling the skin of my children and hugging them and being like, okay, just stop. And just, I don't care if we're late for school. You really appreciate that. I think when you're facing what you have faced, it really makes you appreciate life. And I I feel like cancer can teach us all something. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was really appreciating those moments. Like you're saying that you take that look. I even remember at my wedding, a friend said, really soak it in. Look at all the faces of people that are here. Enjoy this moment. Everything else that was a part of that day, soak it in because it'll go by so fast. And all the people that you love are in one room at one time. And same as with your journey, you realize that life is like you said, we, none of us know what our expiration date is. And for some of us, it's cancer. For some of us, it can be some, another issue, but we can live our best lives in the moment and making sure that we're not just rushing through the day and not taking in those beautiful opportunities to tell those we love that we love them. And like you are doing, hugging mm-hmm. your kids and spending that valuable time with them. 
And cancer, they always say cancer is the red flag that something's going astray in your life. And it's true. It certainly is true. They say that cancer is that big aha lesson. I haven't yet to learn the aha lesson because I think it's going to take a long time. But I think bring that I have a, for me, I have a bit of a bigger purpose. You know, like I hadn't even found my purpose yet. Now my purpose is, look, I'm pretty good at resourcing I'm pretty good at taking care of the physical body and the emotional body. Let me help you. So that's why I went into the multiple myeloma coaching course so that I can even offer free advice, like even just free information, like the mistletoe, because so many people, like so many people, even that I know personally are suffering. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you do to help others. So like with the cancer diagnosis, I did stop working because I think that was part of my yes. stress because my energy was going to help everybody else and it just took time. So I decided with lots of thinking and lots of processing, this is enough. Like I have enough information to give to other people about some integrative therapies that I think are non-conventional that can really benefit, particularly people with multiple myeloma, but because that's what I know really well, but I have many people that I know in the industry who are breast cancer specialists or centers that specialize in all kinds of cancer, but go at least explore your options before you do just conventional therapy because there are so many side effects and secondary cancers because of the conventional medical model and they just put you through the same protocol. You're just a number. They don't consider you as a person. They don't consider anything else and they don't consider the consequences. In fact, I had a doctor tell me, if you get secondary cancers, don't worry, we have medication to treat that too. And I thought to myself, are you crazy? Like I was so disgusted. And another doctor said to me, Tanya, don't go ahead and start just juicing all kinds of stuff because it's not going to help. I think that's the difficult thing for people to understand. One of the things that we try and teach at Believe Big is that, yes, there are oncologists and they're in that industry. They're there to help and they have their desire is to help. But their education is such that they only know three things, chemo, surgery, Radiation. radiation. And honestly, many of them are not able to prescribe anything outside of standard of care because they could be sued, of course. They also aren't familiar with this integrative side like you are and other of the physicians that we work with at Believe Big. And they understand how cancer is and all the different facets to it and what will not interfere with treatment and can help through that process. And even synergize your treatments, right? Yes. Even just to help you stay strong through your treatments. Yes. And so, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for us as patients and loved ones to really respectful and how we communicate with them, but also that we help to educate them and who knows what happens. Right. You know, that's what it is. It's just the education piece. There are just some things that you can do to improve the quality of life. Yes. It's just improving the quality of life. If you're here allow me to just provide some education or some resources or like, I love your video series of when you first get diagnosed with cancer, you're never prepared for cancer. I never thought in my life that I would ever have cancer. I've done cancer courses in naturopathic school. You just are never prepared and it's hard and it's something you're never going to forget. So I want to bring hope. How about that? Just hope and education to anybody that I can. Let's end with this. You say that one of your tips for a resilient life is be giving and kind to others, which kind of goes in hand with what you've just shared. Share about how being giving and kind to others builds resiliency. And I'm going to pop forgiveness in there because forgiveness is for you. It's not for the other people. 
It's for your heart. Giving just feels good. It brings joy. Like it brings joy to me when I've delivered a little bit of information or even someone has found me on a platform and says, I'm in kidney failure. I've got multiple myeloma. You're my lifeline. And I'm like, okay, helping people makes you feel the serotonin and it makes you feel good. It makes me feel like I have purpose and joy. So I think that giving to anyone, whether it's support, whether it's a meal, whether it's information, whether it's time that is invaluable to the other person on the receiving end invaluable. It is so healing to give and it is healing to receive. So I think that is just a win-win situation. Yes. There's a verse in scripture that says sweet words are like a honeycomb to the soul. And so it is true when you're giving of yourself, you're actually gaining more back by helping someone than I believe many times that they're receiving. And it is just so healing. To close this out, is there anything that you would like to share that I didn't get a chance to ask you that you would like to say? I think probably the mistletoe clinical trials at John Hopkins, that's super exciting. Is there going to be a second phase? I want to be involved. I think that is, as far as integrative, that and medicinal mushrooms to me are my top two integrative non-conventional therapies for any cancer, particularly my cancer. We're going, to, we're going to be sharing about that on March 31st at our Believe Big Dinner in Baltimore. And oh, so at sweet. that point, we will share all the updates. And so you're welcome to join us and okay, come and hear it firsthand. Right? Yes. So thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your insight on resiliency, sharing your story, being transparent, and your incredibly kind heart. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and let's stay healthy and strong together. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support our podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. Be sure to visit believebig.org to access the show notes and discover our bonus content. Thanks again and keep believing big.